Hello, and thank you for listening to the MicroBinFi podcast. Here, we will be discussing topics in microbial bioinformatics. We hope that we can give you some insights, tips, and tricks along the way. There is so much information we all know from working in the field, but nobody writes it down. There is no manual, and it's assumed you'll pick it up. We hope to fill in a few of these gaps. My co-hosts are Dr. Nabil Ali Khan and Dr. Andrew Page. I am Dr. Lee Katz. Both Andrew and Nabil work in the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK, where they work on microbes in food and the impact on human health. I work at Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and am an adjunct member at the University of Georgia in the US. Hello, welcome to another software deep dive where we interview authors of a bioinformatics software package. Today, we're talking about Kraken, the taxonomic classification software. And in the hot seat are Dr. Jennifer Liu and Natalia Rincon. Jen is a staff scientist working with Steven Salzberg in the Johns Hopkins University Center for Computational Biology. Nat Rincon is a PhD student in biomedical engineering, also in Steven Salzberg's lab. There was recently a paper in Nature Protocols on which Jen and Nat were co-authors about metagenomic analysis using the Kraken software suite. And there seems to be a lot of tools that have been developed around Kraken. So today we're gonna deep dive firstly into Kraken itself and then into the wider Kraken cinematic universe. Well, let's kick it off with something easy for people who've been you know, living under a rock. What is Kraken? What's the problem that Kraken is trying to solve? So Kraken was developed back in 2013, 2014 to be a classification software. And for those that are not as familiar with the space, it basically means it's trying to take sequencing reads and tell you as specific as possible what those reads are. So it's going to assign them to some kind of taxon, whether it can assign them to a specific species, or if that read is DNA that's shared between different genomes across the taxonomic space, it'll assign them to a genus level or even sometimes just to a general bacterial level. And so it tries to tell you what those reads are. So when when someone wants to to look at, at reads and they want to figure out how to classify them, why does someone choose Kraken over a different software? Like what are the unique selling points? So Kraken is, when when it came out in the space, it was one of the fastest programs out there. One of the fastest, especially compared to BLAST. So a lot of people are very familiar with BLAST, where you can just BLAST reads and it'll try to give you what it's matching. But because of the algorithm that it's using, which is exact matching, it's significantly faster and uses... Um, Significantly, I would say less memory space, and it's just faster in general, and especially when you have millions or billions of reads, which you might have in any given sequencing experiment, it's just going to be a lot faster and to be able to tell you what's in your sample. And I guess to add to that, I would say that for BLAST, you'd want to do like shorter sequences because of the speed um, with Kraken, you can really do whole genome sequencing of like classification of whole samples. Other than uh, just using BLAST on what else, what other tools were out there at the, at the time? So if you look at many of the comparison papers that are out there today, you'll see that Kraken is often compared to Metaflan, specifically Megablast. There's other various tools that have also been brought up 
to compare to Kraken, Chime being one, if we're talking about the 16S space, Centrifuge is one that was also developed in Steven's lab, but it kind of approaches the problem in a very different way. And so there are a number of comparison papers that I suppose will tell you various different results as to which program is actually better. And so I've Learn to skim through these comparison papers, but not give them too much heed. There's there's quite a bit of debate that's ongoing. But I think that one of the things that is notable is that through all of these comparisons and as the space continues to evolve, Kraken continues to be one of the leading tools in the space. And so I, I consider Kraken to be a fairly easy to run suite. It's fairly fast. And with the new improvements on it it doesn't require too much memory and i think it does good at classification and good at what it's supposed to do you don't you said you don't pay much heed but i mean has there ever been some classifier that came out and you're like they did a good job at that i didn't address that or or that did something different than mine or that's a good idea that i should incorporate too i think that there have been instances where i've so I guess, for example, in the 16S space, there's a recent tool called EMU that came out. And I think that because of the ways that the databases are structured and 16S is a whole different world in and of itself, I considered EMU to be a pretty good tool for doing 16S classification, especially in comparison to Kraken. I think that there's still some bugs to be kind of figured out, but I think it's more on the database size rather than the tool itself. I haven't really found that Kraken itself as a tool and as a method needed to be improved upon significantly. Obviously, since its inception, one of the big things was decreasing the memory size of Kraken databases. And that's something that has been addressed in recent versions of it. So I don't consider, but the actual method itself of classification, I consider it to be pretty good in and of itself. I think that constantly we're looking at databases, we're looking at the increasing database size and just trying to make sure that runtimes and memory usage are limited. For those people who don't know, what would be the typical amount of resources required to run Kraken? So it has it changes by the day it changes by the day based off of the number of genomes that are out there and so the base for kraken it uses all the complete genomes in refseq in the ncbi refseq and it's using the bacterial archaeal viral genomes plus human currently grch38 and i think that originally databases were not significantly but I think that they can run on the order years ago they probably ran on the order of like 50 gigs but because of the increase in the number of genomes the databases for Kraken 1 got to 300 gigs and so that's when we had to really kind of scale back and change the way that the databases were stored and that's when like Kraken 2 now addresses this and brings the database size down to about 30 to 50 gigs of RAM which I think is fairly reasonable but then also you have the options of mini kraken and so this has been a constant so since the creation of kraken we've been aware that people are not always going to have 30 gigs of ram on whatever system they're running kraken on and so they provided mini kraken where you could say okay 
my system only has say eight or 16 gigs of RAM. Um, can I run Kraken still? And so you can choose to make a database called a mini Kraken database where you specify how much RAM, how much memory you want this database to hold. And so it'll build the database in eight or 16 gigs of RAM. This will decrease the sensitivity. So you'll have more unclassified reads, but it still allows you to be able to run Kraken. And the only thing of note with the different database sizes is that if the database is smaller, you have less information that you're comparing against. So you'll likely have many more unclassified reads. So if you're really doing like an in-depth analysis, you'll probably need some external compute resources, but you can potentially run it like on your laptop or with limited resources. So while you're on the subject of databases, like my go-to at the moment is using the GTDB taxonomy, which, you know, see all the genomes that they pull in. Like what is uh, your preferred taxonomy? For our own projects, we've always just gone with NCBI RefSeq as it's changed and evolved. But I know that some people do use the GTDB taxonomy, and I know that there are people that have built Kraken databases for that. Specifically, they do provide GTDB Kraken databases. And that's the other thing that is kind of useful is that we, through Ben Lang Means Lab, provide Kraken databases that you can that are pre-built, so you don't have to go through the process of getting the genomes and building them. And same with the GTDB Kraken databases. And so these are pre-built databases that you can just download and just run Kraken. Otherwise, you would have to build your own database, which for some people can just take a lot of time and be a little bit more difficult and run into other issues. I was wondering, who are the major people involved currently in the development process, other than both of you? So Kraken itself was originally conceptualized and created from Derek Wood and Steven Salzberg. And so I would consider this Kraken to be kind of Derek Wood's baby in a sense. It's been a project that he's been on since the beginning and he, a project that he's very, very involved in. Over the years, as we've kind of reevaluated how Kraken reports things and as Kraken itself has evolved and gotten better, other people have been involved in the process. And so Florian Breitweiser, he wrote Cracking Unique, which we'll talk about later. And he and Steven kind of evaluated or created this new version of Kraken, which was based off of the original Kraken. So it uses the same concept, but kind of gives you more information. Other people that are involved in the maintenance of this, of Kraken Unique, are Christopher Pockrant, who is now in Germany. And then Alexi from Steven's lab is still maintaining the software. Other people that also have now be, been involved is including Ben Langmead, who I mentioned. He's the one providing these Kraken pre-built databases. And he and Derek worked together to create Kraken 2, which is the main version of Kraken now today. Martin Steinegger, who's also on the protocol paper with us, he's the one that kind of... Um, headed the efforts for this protocol paper alongside me and Nat. And so I think between all of us, that's it's quite a large group of people that are going through this. I've kind of become the face of Kraken in a way where I'll still be looking through all the GitHub issues and trying to help with this. Um, but yeah, so a lot of us are now involved and we're developing more and more tools and kind of things to assist with Kraken and just trying to make sure that it's usable for everybody. And I guess the only thing I'd add was that Jen wrote Bracken for abundance estimation. And you can use that the Kraken output into the Bracken output. And then 
I'm part of the newest editions of the Kraken tools, which is like the diversity ones. So after you have your abundance estimation, you can use or you can easily find like alpha diversity and beta diversity, like within the same suite. So Nat, you're you're kind of writing the next edition of of the of the newest twist on on Kraken. What what can we expect? What is the alpha and beta diversity? So those two are just more specific metrics for when you're trying to look at diversity in a sample. In the protocol paper, we the first like section, we have like two, two pipelines sort of. The first session goes through just like looking at reads, knowing that you have two different diversity levels and being able to just have a quantitative like metric for it, which is what alpha diversity and beta diversities do. And one is like within community richness and then the other is more comparing between communities. That's nice. So I think I'll address the elephant in the room. Do you guys know where the name comes from? So I believe, and this is, I was not involved in the creation of this name. And so this is what I've heard from the people that were originally involved. So they created, they just chose Kraken. So it's not an acronym, but they chose Kraken as kind of a mythological creature. I think after the fact that the original Kraken relied on jellyfish, jellyfish is a camera counting tool. And so you still use it in camera counting today, but the original Kraken relied on jellyfish to create the database. And so it kind of wanted to go off of that as like a sea creature kind of thing, and then make it more of a mythological sea creature. And so that's how they chose Kraken, but that's not an acronym as far as I'm aware. And if Derek decides to let us know otherwise, I'm sure you'll hear from him. Have you ever heard Derek say, release the Kraken? Many times. So he and Steven did write a paper recently on releasing the Kraken, where they kind of went through the process of creating the software and how they kind of conceptualized it in a way. Yeah, and this was a 2021 paper that they released. So once I've run Kraken, I've put my reads in and it's aligned to the, what's matched with the database. What are the outputs I can expect from, from the base Kraken, you know? So base Kraken will give you two outputs. One is a very long text file where for every single read, it's going to give you the read ID, whether or not it was classified, and then the taxonomy taxonomy ID of like the classification, along with a breakdown of all the cameras. And so Kraken uses exact camera matching to try to tell you what's in your sample. But then it also kind of for each read decides on, okay, this is what this read is. It belongs to this genus or belongs to the species. And so it gives you that very long text file where for every single line is a different read and with the taxonomy classification. But then the other output that Kraken provides, which I think is a little bit easier to read, is the Kraken report, which gives you a breakdown of, for every taxonomy ID, how many reads do you have? And so there's kind of a two numbers that it gives for every taxonomy ID. And one is for that for that taxonomy ID, how many reads are classified directly to that ID. And then for that taxonomy ID and like tree. So for given us, so for example, if you have a genus, it's going to be like, okay, there's maybe like a hundred reads that belong just to this genus. And I can't specify further what they belong to. But then it's also going to give you another number that's going to be larger. And so like, say like, okay, there's 150 in this subtree. And so that would be like, okay, there are 50 reads that I can specify to species in that genus. Um, but there's 100 that are just at that genus. 
And so that would be the 150. And I'm sorry if that doesn't make a hundred a ton of sense. It's easier to if you kind of like look at the report itself. Yeah. So in that, I think, I mean, that's just the count. How does someone interpret, can someone interpret that report? So what would you uh, say is a meaningful hit that a particular species is actually there? I mean, is five reads enough or a thousand reads enough or... Uh, how, how do you guys interpret the, the report? I think it really depends on what the sample is originally. So we've actually found, and this is the reason why we don't tell people to filter out initially, is we've actually found that um, taxons with very few reads can still be incredibly meaningful. And I think we found this when we were looking at brain samples, where we ran brain samples, we sequenced them, and we classified them with Kraken, and we looked at the reports and we kind of compared the reports to each other and found that even there was one instance where one sample had very few reads, I think only on the order of maybe a dozen reads that belonged to a species, but that species was not found in any of the other samples. And so that kind of raised our flags a little bit and was just like, okay, well, this probably isn't a contaminant and what can we look into further? And we found that that was a true pathogen, a true species that was in the sample. And that was really important for our downstream analysis. There are cases where you care more about just like overall what's in your sample. And so you might not care about those very few reads that are hitting these spurious species, but there are instances where you want to kind of look at all of them collectively. And I guess one thing that I'd add to that is that depending on what you're using it for, you might want to use Kraken Unique versus Kraken 2. So like if we're doing infectious pathogen detection, detection, like in the brain samples, and we've done it for these like corneal samples too, where we really are looking for a couple reads that will say or give us a candidate for a candidate pathogen as the cause of the infection. So we really are looking for 5, 10, 20 reads. But if you're really just looking at diversity in a sample, Kraken 2 is faster. Maybe it won't give you that sort of resolution that Kraken Unique will, but yeah. Are you also kind of making a distinction between like Kraken 1 and Kraken 2 when you say Kraken Unique? Because it's basically like counting KMERS versus comparing on the minimizer level. So is, is that going to be something that gets in the way? Is that kind of what you're saying? So Kraken Unique is included now in Kraken 2. And so when we say Kraken Unique, we're talking about running. So there is Kraken Unique and there's Kraken 2 Unique. And these are pretty much the same thing, same concept. And yes, they are camera versus minimizer. But conceptually, it just means that you're going to get a different um, column, an additional column in your Kraken report, which is going to try to count the number of unique cameras or minimizers in addition to that, which can help validate that result, validate that count. Because what we found is that if there is contamination either in the database or in the sample, the number of cameras or minimizers is not going to be, um, not going to reflect the same number of reads. And so you might have a lot of reads, but very few cameras. And that probably means that there's some kind of contamination somewhere. Can I ask, in terms of the input data, what is the impact of, say, using Nanopore over, say, Illumina? And do you do things like check to see, like, if you have four anniversaries for Illumina, you know, is it calling the same species for the same read? Is there anything like that? We typically suggest, so Kraken was built with Illumina reads in mind. And so 
it is kind of assuming that error rate. And so what people have found with cracking with nanopore reads, which you can run cracking with nanopore reads, but because of the higher error rate, there is a bit of a loss in accuracy when it comes to classification. So the you would probably want to adjust parameters slightly. If you were building a database with nanopore reads in mind, you would probably want a smaller camera size. But we haven't quite figured out what that camera size might be but it is giving you longer reads. And so there are more cameras in that read that you could classify against. And so it kind of is that balancing act of trying to figure out what the best parameters are. So that is actually a really important take home because I've been using a database built for Illumina, but with nanopore data. Mm -hmm. So I I, I need to change things, I think. (laughs) The, The interesting thing is that what we've found is because nanopore chemistries have been changing so frequently, it's a lot harder to fine tune a Kraken database to a nanopore data set when that those the accuracy of those reads is constantly changing. And so nanopore is a fairly, I would say, comparatively new technology, and they're still kind of fine tuning the chemistry. And we work very closely with Winston Timps Lab, who is always testing new chemistries. And every time we think we might get close to the perfect parameters for nanopore reads, suddenly the chemistry has changed. And so therefore the accuracy of the reads has changed. And so I will say that I've found that it's okay to be just using the base, the same databases for both nanopore and Illumina reads. Just be aware that you might have slight differences in the classification because of the difference in accuracy. So I had, I had, this is sort of a help desk question. So one of the questions I run into is sometimes reads are assigned to the root, but no further. And then sometimes reads are assigned, are unclassified. And so what's the difference? So for the reads that are unclassified, it means that it was not found in the database. So it didn't have any hits. If it's classified at the root, it means it had many hits. So we can't put it at a more specific level. That's pretty, that's basically it. (laughs) I think in that instance, for the unclassified reads, you might want to look into those further. And so you can extract out the unclassified reads and try to see what else they might hit to. And so remember that the base Kraken databases are only like microbes plus human. And so you might have, say, some vertebrate DNA in there or some plant DNA that's not being detected. And so I think those are of interest. For the ones that end up at the root, I think that they end up being at the root because of contamination or just because of cameras that may be shared between, say, vectors and human. And so they're... they're um, those cameras are just found across the taxonomy at such a distance that Kraken is saying there's nothing we can really specify those to. And so there might be a DNA that's found in both bacteria and human or something like that. And that will cause the reads to be at the root. And those just aren't very informative at all. Well, so you said that some of them might be like vectors or or something similar, kind of artificial. Have I've heard often on like people asking about the kit I think this also comes from Andrew sometimes. Have you ever... Have you ever seen someone use a KitOM Kraken database or or something similar to to make use of that? I don't personally know much of that. In our databases, we always include a vector database or vector sequences as well, just to make sure that Kraken is detecting them. It's not going to confuse them for something else. But apart from that, I don't know much about the KitOM. Yeah, like you might give the the kit, like the vectors, like a different taxonomy ID, just a little bit under the root or something. Have you? I, I, okay, I guess you have answered that one. 
Yeah, they have their own taxonomy ID as I believe synthetic sequences is what Kraken specifies them as. <laughs> so just to get nerdy for a second, uh, what language is it all written in? It's a mix of Perl and C++. <laughs> That's yeah. brilliant to hear. I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> Love it. it. It's I have talked to Steven about this previously and and not to make anybody feel old, but he says it's a bit of a generational difference, Perl versus Python. I think that for many of our tools that we're now developing today, we're writing them in Python and not in Perl. And so I guess that the generational difference was sometime between Derek and us. <laughs> So uh, what is actually written in C++? Which bits? A lot of the database building, the database building and the database. So I think just Perl is just used for some of the basic stuff of processing the inputs, but C++ is used for a lot of the database building and the compacting of all of the sequences and writing of the bytes and stuff. And so Kraken databases are very specifically designed to be able to fit all of that genome information into a very small space. And so a lot of that heavy memory management stuff is written in C++. Yeah. And the classification itself, because it is going to need to read in all of that information and be able to search through it in a short amount of time. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a little bit of an appreciation of the Perl in there when I was looking at it one day, and it was like actually editing the jellyfish database and I was, I was just like staring at it and learning from it that day and I don't I don't know if I totally absorbed it but I it opened my eyes that I could actually edit a binary file like that and, and insert the taxonomy IDs it was cool which features are you both most proud of in in, in regarding Kraken I think for me it's just the simplicity of the classification algorithm is just like using exact matching of cameras has the exact matching of cameras seems like such a simple concept but it spawned out this whole kraken world of tools that are very widely used into because it's a tool that's very fast and very good at what it does yeah so that's basically what i'm most proud of <laughs> And then for me, it's probably just like being able to be part of this community, right? Joining this lab and sort of getting um, led by Jen to, I don't know, help continue the Kraken world. I don't know. That's awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Today, we've been talking with the developers, Dr. Jen Liu and Nat Rikon, about the Kraken software suite around Kraken, the taxonomic classification software. I think we'll have a little bit more to do on the next episode so stick around see you next time thank you so much for listening to us at home if you like this podcast please subscribe and rate us on itunes spotify soundcloud or the platform of your choice follow us on twitter at microbinfi and if you don't like this podcast please don't do anything this podcast was recorded by the microbial bioinformatics group the opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadrum Institute.